whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now, in this scripture, the message is clear. We are joined together to do something specific. You and I are here to do something significant and unique for each of us. Everyone here tonight, in person, or tuning in online, or maybe you listen to this later in your car, or you hear it on YouTube, you are meant to do something. And tonight I will be speaking on finding the you in unity. If you will, pray with me. Lord Jesus, right now, I pray over this message. I pray over the word that you have given me, Lord. I pray that I do not get in the way of it with my flesh, Lord, but that I allow your word to go forward and that it would take its, its priority in our life, that it would adhere to our hearts and pierce the marrow of our bone, Lord. I pray, Jesus, for all those that are listening online, all those who have yet to find a place to worship, who have yet to find a place to gather, I pray, Jesus, that this word would go forward for them. And I pray these things in your holy name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. First off, I want to say, I should have said this earlier, but I want to welcome all our first-time guests. Thank you for coming. I'm glad that you could be here with us this evening. Let's give them a hand clap of just thanks. It's always nice to have people of precious like faith to worship with. So, I want to say that right now, our church is in a crucial moment of church history. This is the hour for the church. And it will be in this hour that the people of God must find their voice and their purpose. You are important. Take your finger real quick with me. Point to yourself. Not the person next to you. Not the person in front of you. And not the guy standing in front of you up here. But you are important. Now say that I am important. You see, the church needs its members right now. It needs you right now. You see, the world is desperate for answers and for something that is worth having. They have a whole lot of superficial things that they can latch on to, but they do not have what we have in this place right now. And they need you. They need you. The world is getting worse and worse each day. Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 4 through 5, He said, We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus was telling his disciples that night was coming. The people of God are going to be risen and those here still alive are going to be carried away in the blink of an eye. Then the light of the world will be truly out of their reach for those who denied Jesus. You see, it is getting dark outside. It is reaching that point of darkness that is just before the dawn. The time that this world has is running out. We have to carry out the task that was assigned to us. 
Do not get stuck in this life's everyday, day-to-day assignments. The going to and through each day's daily routines. Because none of that matters when the strike of the clock hits midnight. It's like you can hear a clock in the spiritual realm saying tick, 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 tick. And time is ticking away. And those who adhere to the Word of God, we're safe. If I'm about my Father's business, nothing will keep me from hearing those words I so desperately want to hear in my life. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, I long for that day that I can hear those words spoken over my life. And we do have a promise in Revelations chapter 22, verse 5, and it says, And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. And won't that be a glorious day? To be able to say, to be able to be in His presence forevermore. But you see the world outside of here. Outside of this place, they need you to tell them about that. You've heard the call of God, and you need to adhere to that call. See, I don't get to check out or phone it in. Whatever you've done in your past, if you say, well, I wasn't teaching Bible studies, or I've never taught a Bible study, that's okay, tomorrow you can't. Tomorrow you can start that Bible study. Tomorrow you can begin to speak life into somebody's situation. Let go of those things that you've done in your past and pay attention from here on out. Our mantra ought to be, should be, for us as the church, I'm needed on the job site. I know we can get frustrated on the job site. People say things on the job site. I feel like I get slighted sometimes on the job site, but they still need us. Because wherever I can show grace, wherever I can be merciful, that's where I ought to be merciful, and that ought to be where I'm graceful. You see, Jesus was offended, but yet he still died on a cross for us. We need to be the church at the restaurant. We need to be the church in our schools. You know, if you're at a restaurant... I know I'm going to be messing with some people here, and I apologize ahead of time, but you ought to realize that that person that is waiting on you is not your servant. That person that is waiting on you is another person who is is in desperate need of hearing the word of Jesus in their life. So you have to treat them in the way that they need to be treated. Give them grace. Give them mercy. They might spill your drink on you. But imagine if your response wasn't, I can't believe you did that to, that's okay. That's all right, I understand. It's a tough day. Imagine that response in contrast to the other. We have to be the church. We have to have grace where grace can be shown. You are the light of the world right now. You are the light of the world. Be merciful to those that you have the opportunity to be merciful to. You see, I need to be the church everywhere that I go. And if the enemy can, he will destroy your witness. Because that is what is happening when we mistreat somebody at a restaurant, when we get in a quarrel on the job, when we have jealousy in our hearts. We are in danger of destroying our witness. Because right now you have a witness. When you walk into a situation, you can declare that name of Jesus. 
You can say the things that bring life instead of death. You have that authority. We have to understand that the enemy is on a, a devastatingly excellent offensive right now. He is after everything and anything he can get a hold of. I say he's desperate. Because we live in a time when the enemy has used all of his tactics and he's given his final effort to win. But we know something, don't we? We win. We win. We win. The score has been reached and there is no overtime. We win. The problem is that we are in a world that does not know the score and does not realize who wins. And the problem is that we are in a world that doesn't know that. So do not let it be said, though, of the church that we don't know that. The enemy would love to take each of us out individually, one by one, taking down the oppressed, the overburdened, the depressed, and the lonely. We are facing down an enemy at the gate, doing all he can to destroy, kill, and divide us. And the enemy of your soul is doing all he can to enter into your home, steal your children, and rob you of your joy. And the enemy wants to take your thoughts captive and steal away the worth that you bring to the body. Because you are worth to the body. You bring something here. Each individual who walked into this service tonight, you brought something with you that is of value. And we have to unite one another. And the greatest enemy of agreement is darkness. And 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. You see, we are faced with a genuine issue in this last day. We are faced with a real problem in these last minutes as this clock ticks towards midnight. In Romans 13, 11 through 14, it says, This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And the night is almost gone, and the day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Yes. And why? Because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. It says do not participate in darkness of of wild parties and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and immoral living. Are quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in your evil desires. You know, love is God. Our God is love. We've heard that before, right? It's, uh, it's kind of gotten taken out of context is what it actually means and what it really should mean by the world. You see, not... The world tries to make God an accepting God. And God is gracious to forgive, but not necessarily to accept the way the world would say accept. 
If you sin, then you have to be forgiven. And if you choose to remain in sin, then expect to be loved enough to be corrected. It is time for us to walk away from the secrets in our lives and find forgiveness. If you are living in sin, then you have to seek forgiveness. As that clock ticks towards midnight, you have to be willing to say, I need forgiveness in my life. Every morning I seek forgiveness and ask for his mercy. And God is love and it is a perfect love. And the perfect love of God will come with a final judgment. And in that final judgment, torment and the casting away of those who refuse to accept the saving grace that came from his love. But the church is not the church if we do not have love. You know, without love... We're bankrupt. We need love at the very core of who we are. Each of us must find a way to deposit love into the unity of our fellowship. Not just to those we are comfortable sharing love with, but those who have been called like we have. Long gone are the days when we could just be an island. The problem is that an island has no outlets and no way to reach it without proper equipment. And the island is isolated and separated from the rest of the mainland. And the island, it can feel safe sometimes. Like a place where we can see all things coming and and be on guard from those that are trying to hurt us. But the reality is an island can survive when it has all the resources that it needs to stay. But when those resources become depleted, it will stop having life. That is like our fellowship. If you find yourself on an island here tonight, it is time to move to the mainland. I'm having the guest relations team hand you something tonight. Now you're going to see this and laugh maybe. That's okay. I have something in my pocket and this is what you'll be getting. And what this is right here Maybe you can't see it. This is a Lego. That's kind of odd for a Wednesday night message, maybe, without children up here. I mean, I think this has been the cause of a lot of men tripping in the middle of the night or stumbling in the dark. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. But as you get this Lego piece, I want you to know that it represents you. This Lego is a representation of your individual life. And I can hold this Lego up in front of you, and you can see it, maybe a little bit. And this Lego, it might shine in the light. And it's a shiny light Lego. It's unique, so extravagant, isn't it? It's purple, this Lego. And like this Lego, if this represents this, this my life right here, I matter, right? I matter. I'm important. I have a purpose. But, it, but what if this Lego never gets attached to anything? What if this Lego simply stays in this state? And it never has a purpose. And it never sees what it's actually supposed to do. 
You see, a Lego by itself really is insignificant. It doesn't serve the purpose it was designed for. There's, there's pegs on the top and there's holes on the bottom. And the pegs in the top can be a representation of the lives that I get to uphold. That I, the lives that I get to invest in. And the, the holes on the other side are like the lives that have invested into me. But imagine if this never was connected. It would simply be without its purpose. And so that's, that's our lives sometimes. We can get trapped in the state of being isolated, alone, without purpose and without connection. But we need to be connected to the body of Christ. Because this is the representation of what Christ wanted us to do. To be connected. To be unified. To have unity one with another. And it's silly. It's a kid's toy. I understand that. But it serves a purpose. I had my son Elijah build me a Lego building. Now you never know what a nine-year-old's going to build. But I think he did a pretty good job. I didn't tell him what to do. I didn't tell him how to build it. But what I find interesting is that he chose to use various colors within the building itself. He put a cross on the top. He made sure there was a, a, a roof on there. He made sure there was a foundation and so out of the nine-year-old's mind, I can see that he sees the church as needing to have more than one color. It needs to have a foundation. It needs to have the roof. And each one of these pieces, they're not all the same. Just like the pieces that I gave to you tonight, they're not all the same. Some of them are one brick, two brick, four bricks. Some of them are long bricks. And see, that's the thing about us. We're not all one brick, two brick, four brick, long brick. You know, we're all different. We all serve different purposes, but this still makes up the building. It still makes up the body of Christ. It still makes up who we're meant to be. You see, I need you and you need me. You know, we can't get lost in the idea that, that somebody doesn't matter because I, I have to tell you, it hurts my heart when I hear that somebody has walked away from the Lord. It hurts my heart when I hear that one of my fellow believers have chosen not to live this way any longer. It, it bothers me greatly. It, it, it just is like a burden I can't release, and it hurts when I hear that that has happened. And so I'm very passionate about people finding connection. And I, that's why I love small groups. Yes, I, I didn't even put this in my notes. I want you to know that. But I love small groups. Why? It's not because I get to have people over to my house, although I do enjoy that. It's because I believe that if you can get connected, if you can have fellowship with someone else, then your life can begin to find its purpose. That's the way it was intended to be. And so... You matter. Your individual life matters to the body. You are important to me and to those that you attend this church with. You are important to God. Every one of you individually is essential to God. 
But it was not God's plan for you to be alone. Listen to what I am saying to you tonight. You are not meant to be alone. That is not just coming to a church service and checking in and out. The real alone is when you're in a room full of people you claim to have a relationship with. But hurry out the back door before you talk to anyone. Before you have had any important things spoken over your life at an altar. You see, these altars can sometimes seem like just another place. These altars sometimes can seem like, well, it's just as powerful as being in those chairs. It's just as powerful as being out there if I pray. But what you don't understand is that when I come to the altar, when I allow myself to step up here and I begin to pray, I begin to connect. Because someone else will come and they will pray over me. Or maybe I will pray over somebody else. And so that is where the connection begins to happen, is at the altar. Not only am I connecting to God, but I can also connect to other people. Because why? Well, we have to share each other's burdens, right? I mean, that's what we're called to do. I have to share my burdens with you, and you ought to have to share your burdens with me. Now, some of us, like me, have more burdens than others, but that's okay, right? We're all unique. We're all different in some way or another. And so the reality, though, is that you can reach God at a place sitting in your chair. And I agree with that. That's true. It's very much true. But every prayer meeting can just simply stay there. And yes, you can hear from God, but you're not meant to do this alone. And if this altar has taught me anything, it is that this is the place where I can be joined in prayer with others of precious like faith. You know, Pastor Dornbach has said that there is nothing magical about these altars. And he's right. Nothing magical about a foot of carpet and a place where others have wept and devoted their lives to God. But it is the place where I am made vulnerable. And I admit that this life has become too hard to do on my own. It is the place where I can support others that are going through something. It is the place where my life is falling apart. And in, the, in this very moment, it is a surrendering place where I catch a glimpse of heaven. And it is not enough to come to church and feel the presence of God in service and leave feeling better about your situation. God did not intend that in the year of 2023, his saints who are at the end of this time, the end of this world, would just come to a Wednesday message and leave without having realized they are the final hope of this world. And if we cannot get along in this building, then how in the world Will the world ever be reached? If we can't find unity here, then how in the world am I ever going to reach out there? We have to do something drastic. We have to shake things up a little bit. So you need to understand that this is a place of love. This is a place where I'm coming from this situation. I'm just telling you right now. I feel it so strong in my spirit. We have to do something. We have to stop holding the grudges and say sorry to someone, even when they should be the ones saying sorry to me. We have to make inroads with one another. Make peace 
with one another. This world depends on you to change the scene and to change the story. Alone, we are weak and divided, but together, we are an unstoppable force that will reach this city in which we live. Together, we can reach more people. Together, we can teach more Bible studies. Together, we can reach this city that is lost and dying. I believe that. It is time to get united and become the church joined. The cry is being issued to the church. This is the year of action by God's church. I can hear it back to the clock. The ticking of the clock. Tick, tick, tick. The clock is ticking. And we have to be the representation of love because there is hate throughout this world. And it is time that we did something about it. It is time that you did something about it. We cannot be business as usual any longer. It has to be true love. A love that passes all understanding. We all have a purpose of serving and of being servants to the one who made the ultimate sacrifice. We have to get off the high horse and come down to reality. Take that brick, that Lego brick, and look at it. It is full of purpose and reason to be used, but without being connected, it is useless. It does not serve its purpose without being connected to something larger than itself. We are living in a land that is divided and separated by hate and differences. And we, if we, as the church, are not careful, then that hate and division can come into here. And we are not immune to hate and division when we are willing to stand alone. The you and unity must find a way to ditch the hurt and resentments and transpose those long-time feelings into love. I wish I could tell you that it was easy to feel the sting of spikes in your back and hurtful speech in your ear, but it is not easy. It cuts more profoundly than most physical wounds And the scars are a whole lot uglier. Rarely does a physical scar hurt. Usually it might remind you of what happened, but it doesn't hurt. There isn't tenderness when it gets touched. At least some scars may be. But most are simply reminders of something that once happened. But the mental and spiritual scars take a lot longer to heal. And there are some that say time heals all wounds. Sometimes it isn't the time that heals them. Instead, tearing them open and digging them out causes them to heal. Just the mention of them causes them to rip right open. And we bring into every relationship a past hurt from our previous relationships. Every friendship, every work partnership, every, every relationship, we bring something with it. But God has not called you to be without suffering. Now, that's not popular. We don't always want to hear that, but it's the truth. And it is that suffering is a part of our lives here on this earth. The suffering is a way for us to get back to God. You know, through the suffering is when I need Him the most. Through the hurts is when I come to Him more frequently. 
Now, we should be going to him all the time, but the reality is there are some things in your life that drive you to your knees. And has anyone taken a role, so transition real quick, but has anyone ever taken a roll of film to be printed? Ever? So we have some older people here. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry, I've done that too. So I'm in that category with you. Well, it might have been a long time since you did that. Now we're in a day where cell phones can just print them off and you can just send them to wherever you want to send them to have them printed. But, and, and maybe even some of you have no idea what I'm talking about because <laughs> you've been with a phone your whole life. So yeah, that could happen. But, you know, it's this process that would happen. You would take the roll of film from the camera and you would give it to a developer and they would take the negatives and print the film. And that's kind of like life sometimes, because life really is developed from the negatives. You see, the process of life doesn't develop from the positive. It is truly developed in the breaking and in the crushing. The things that you and I would say are negative are the things that can build us. It's out of the ash that comes the life it's out of the pruning process that comes the fruit. Your pain is the thing that has made you and makes you. And when we get past it as a negative and see that it is a positive, then we can find another piece of the unity. We are stronger together. It is in harmony that we will find true purpose and identity. And so you might be in a place where the scar or even the wound is fresh. It takes love. And then it takes more love. And then even more love for that wound to heal. But how will you ever feel the healing that is meant for you if you are not falling back in love with the people that God has given you? Your hurt is real. Your damage is, is there, it's, it's identifiable, you've felt it, you experienced it, and you face a choice to either accept it or to deny it. You could grit through it and tell everyone that you're fine, and things are going just well. They're going good. Or it can be real. The harsh reality is no one would really know if you ever, if you never let them know. But your denial of the pain and unwillingness to change is denying someone else their victory. And this is not for everyone. There are some of you who the pain and wounds are recent, and it's going to take some time to get through it, but allow somebody to connect to you. Allow there to be somebody that can speak into your life. Just do not do it alone. Find someone. And there are people in the world right now, though, who need to hear your story. You know, our testimony is the most powerful thing that we have. And they need to hear how you got through that, that time of pain and that hurt and that place that you were in. And there are some real consequences, though, if you hold on to that hurt. Those wounds that we have, we carry them around as part of our identity. And they cause us to stumble and fall in the most stressful or quiet times of our lives. And for those that time has elapsed, the problem isn't that you have not healed. The problem is that you have allowed your wounds to heal without removing the original infection. Now this also is part of finding you 
and unity. Like Lego bricks, there is a foundation to the building, and without a foundation, it is unstable and it will fall. And that foundation, that chief cornerstone of our lives is Jesus Christ. It was Jesus who said they are going to know you by the love that you show one another. For us to build in another location, another church, to go somewhere other than where we currently are, to move on to that next place, it has to be done in unity. It has to be done together. We have to be unified in purpose. God impressed on me very strongly that to have unity, though, we must find a way to believe in one another. You already believe in somebody here tonight. But chances are you've had times where you maybe didn't believe in everybody. But it is time that we as a church begin to believe in everybody. That we begin to build each other up. That we are unified in the purpose of what God has called us to do. If somebody preaches, then let's, let's support them. If somebody's cleaning, let's remember they're cleaning. If somebody's on guest relations, let's remember that they're there on guest relations. Because everybody's important. Every single one of us has purpose. Every single one of us does something that is important to the body of Christ. So as a church, we must transpose those old ways of thinking that it's going to be the youth group who brings up the church or brings up revival. We have to get rid of the idea that it's going to be the elders who do the revival. Or we even have to get rid of the idea that it's going to be ministry who does the revival, who brings the revival. We know it's Jesus Christ, first and foremost, that brings the revival. But he's, he's relying on us to be the church. To be unified as the church. To have purpose as the church. The time to act is now. Revival comes when this Lego piece finds another Lego piece and begins to attach itself. It requires us to elevate one another beyond our own stature. Truth is, it's a Pharisee spirit that desires all the high seats that desires the praise, who wants to be promoted, to be acknowledged for all their hard work, hard-fought battles. It's when we say we're winning together. It's when we say we found the victory together. That is when it happens. That is when revival will take place. You see, we must understand that this Lego brick is simply standing on its own and not being seen as what it is meant for. It was in 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. You see, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And this is God's message to the world at just the right time. 
And I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. And I am not exaggerating, just telling the truth. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands, lifted to God, free from anger and controversy. I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive through the good things they do. And we use this to differentiate the roles of women and men sometimes. And, and some things in this scripture are even greater, though, in importance than the holiness standards. Not to take away from the holiness, because without holiness, no man sees God. But it is this, what is inward, that is of utmost importance. And we can all be cleaned up on the outside and putrid on the inside. And no one would know the difference. We have to lift each other up. As a church, I ought to celebrate every victory that you have in your life. I ought to be praying for you to have success in your life. You see, we need to pray that all of us are elevated for the glory of God. I am praying that you are advanced on your job. I am praying that you are upgraded in the world and that the apostolic voices across our nation are elevated and put into places of influence and of great responsibility. We need more men and women to take roles in government. We need more men and women to be CEOs and top executives at jobs. If unity is to be in the church, then we have to get away from our desire to be elevated ourselves and change our approach to praying that elevation would come to those with whom we are in fellowship. You and unity must rise above the preferences that you have. The unity of the body begins to be under fire when your preferences outweigh your priorities. Ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself a tough question. Am I elevating the importance of the Lord or am I elevating my preferences? Are you looking for a new place to worship because it gets a little loud on Sundays? Are you looking for a new place to worship because there's just not enough space? I, the foyer's tight. When I put a table up out there for small groups, it gets a little congested sometimes. Does that cause you to say, maybe I should look for a new place to worship? But is that a preference or is that a priority? Are you considering leaving because ministry opportunities don't seem to be here for you? Are you considering leaving because you don't fit in or you don't feel, you feel like maybe you're disconnected from the body? The question really is, what have you done to connect to the body? And what efforts have you made to get close to someone? Now I know that maybe you got close. And perhaps the scars are still there like we talked about previously. But it is a preference not to get hurt. Not a priority. We always look for fresher water and greener grass when it gets challenging. But it is in the stain that we will find the blooming. And during our stain, we will find the anointing we have been seeking. It is stain that we will see deeper relationships. And you have to get out 
what is next mentally and set your mind to what is now. I cannot move away from this point myself tonight. We have to honor and we have to uplift one another. Our church needs to be united. We have to find unity. We are not going to budge an inch on things like doctrine, on things that are precious to this faith, the things that we know to be true. But there are some things that we're going to have different different views on. It is not if we agree. It is whether we will allow the disagreement to cause us, our others, to stumble. Anyone who has ever been on a team knows that it requires sacrifice and determination to be truly unified. When I was preparing to go to Iraq, we had to go back and forth from Kansas City down to Fort Leonardwood. And it was about a four to five hour drive every time that we would go. And we were making this trip four to five times a month. And I had a fellow soldier up here in the area that needed a ride back and forth. So I offered that we would carpool together. Now, to be totally transparent, I must admit to you that I found him to be one of the most annoying people I have ever had to spend time with. I spent a lot of time with him. He's one of those that knew everything and loved to argue about everything. And if you know me at all, you know that one of my greatest character flaws is just I cannot stand arrogance. I cannot stand people who think highly of themselves. It's just, it's, I just can't. I need to pray through on that. <laughs> but I didn't enjoy this individual. It was like mixing oil and water and then popping a Mentos into the bottle and watching a chemical reaction take place. But over two years and many hard times and events in our lives, we grew to become some of the greatest of friends. The annoying guy who I had to spend hours with in a car listening to him talk causing me headaches, ended up at mine and Sarah's wedding as one of our groomsmen. You see, there is something about the war and the battles that changes your perspective. If you get busy fighting the battle, then the little petty things that you've been holding on to will become insignificant. They will become something that you don't even worry about anymore. And then the people next to you will become more important to you. Because it's in war and in battle when we realize there's a greater purpose. There's something we have in common tonight. It's a great thing that we have in common. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. We have Jesus in common. If there's nothing else that you have in common with me, it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we get busy fighting the battles, and, and, and our battles are fought in the prayer room, they're fought at the altars, then we will watch as revival will hit this city and will begin to transform Kansas City. You can't do it alone. Don't even try. It doesn't work. I'm closing. The musicians can come. The reality is we are at war. 
and the darkest hour is upon our world. You are being called to lay down your burdens and take up the cross. And unity is sacrifice. And to have fundamental unity requires us to forgive and to see through the lenses of someone else's glasses, even if they're dirty. No matter how dirty they are. I have to be able to see and empathize with others and walk a mile in their shoes. And if we cannot be empathetic towards someone in the church, someone that we spend time with weekly, then how in the world are we ever going to reach outside of here? You see, God wants us to speak the truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. The three keys to healthy growth are truth, love, and unity. We are to be unified. We are the church, and there is no other help on the way for those that are outside of here. Sin has cut them off, and we are here with a mission to bring them back. And like that wayward son, who went out into the world and he spent all of his inheritance. The master stands at the door waiting, patiently waiting for them to return. Those that have backslid, those that have walked away from this truth, this is the final hour, and I believe that they are coming home. I believe that those that have been long gone will begin to walk through our doors once more. I believe that there is a message that is being spoken to them in this hour. It says, remember the things that once were, the things that used to move you, the things that used to reach you. Those are the things that are being spoken in their lives right now. And yes, this world is dark. And yes, this world needs us. But when they come back, we better be unified. We better be together on this. I need you, and you need me. If you will, will you stand? Now to finish a Lego message, you have to have a Lego sheet. I know it's silly. But I gave each of you a Lego. And what I'm asking you to do tonight is that you would take your Lego... And that you would come up to the front of this altar. And that you would place your Lego on this sheet. Because in placing this Lego, what you're saying is that I want to be connected. Maybe you don't know how to do that yet. Maybe there's things that you're dealing with, things that you're not sure about in your life that you're saying, I, I, I want to be connected, but I got some walls that I got to knock down before that can happen. I'm telling you right now, at this altar, that can change. Right now, those walls that you've built up in your life that have caused you to be separated from the body of Christ can be knocked down. Do you believe that? Do you believe that tonight? Amen. If you would, find a place to pray and come up here and place your Lego on the altar. I need you.